jump in. We're finishing the series today called Breakthrough. If you've missed any of the past messages, you can check them out online um, and, um, or on our Mosaic Church app. It, it comes in super handy. Um, but today we're talking about breakthrough vision because sometimes you just can't see the next step. You can't see what's coming. You don't know what's next and you need breakthrough vision. Listen, I know this is kind of Uh, just mind-blowing, but if you can't see where you're going, you'll probably run into something. Have you ever noticed that? Maybe you get up in the middle of the night um, and you're, you're trying to walk to the bathroom and you step on a Lego. Has anybody ever been there? I've got two boys in my house and it's, I've done that. I've stepped on something and, and hopefully not uttered something in my mouth or in my heart that I shouldn't have, right? But if you, if you can't see where you're going, you'll run into something. Vision is so incredibly important. Recently, I started something new that is kind of stretching me. I've never done it before, um, but I was, I was just kind of feeling like, man, I need to mix up my workout routine. And um, I've, I've swam before and I've, I've done a couple triathlons. And so I've swam long distances, but I've always just trained on my own. But recently, a friend in the community um, who's uh, friends with, uh, his, like his son is friends of my son, Jason, and, and he invited me. He's like, hey, you should come swim with the, the master swim team. And so I'm like, you know what? Hey, I'll try something new. I'll try it out. And so I've never be before been coached by a swim coach. And so I show up to practice and I don't know the terminology. I don't know what's going on. This is all kind of different. And so for the first a couple times, the coach is just kind of working with me one-on-one -on -one and kind of reteaching me how to swim. And I'm like, man, I feel kind of awkward. I feel like I've gone back to elementary school, but in swimming. And so, you know, little by little, I get to doing the workouts with the rest of the team. And man, I'm having a blast and, and I feel like I'm progressing. And then this last week, um, we do this sprint workout. And he's like, okay, we're gonna, we're gonna go down, we're gonna do an easy few, and then you gotta, you're gonna get on the blocks. And I'm like, wait, what? What are you talking about? I have to actually stand up on the little platform thing like Michael Phelps and dive into the water. And I'm like, I've, do, I've dove off, you know, cliffs and, and diving boards, but I've, I've never dived off this little swim platform thing. I don't even know what it's called. That's how much I know about swimming. And so, um, and so my first time I get up on the platform and I'm going to dive and it's a sprint. He's timing us. And, and it's like, so I want to do good. And I'm super competitive, by the way. And so even though these other people have been swimming lay, way longer than me, I, I want to like, I want to show up. And so uh, I'm ready. He blows the whistle. I dive in the water. And guess what happens immediately? My goggles like come off just enough to where my eyes fill with water. And so kind of mid-stroke, I just reach up and shove them on my face and I keep going as hard as I can with goggles full of water. Now, luckily, I'm the type of person, it really doesn't bother me that much. And so I just kept my eyes open because I needed to see or else I was gonna run into the wall on the other end. And so I get to the other end, uh, you know, let the water out of my goggles and I'm just like, man. And so I asked, I asked one of the guys there, I'm like, how do you keep you know, your goggles on when you dive in the water. And he's like, strap them on tight and shove them on your face as tight as you can. And so I, I took his advice and it worked. But how many of you know, when you're doing something new, maybe you've just given your heart and life to Christ. Maybe you came to Mosaic and you found Jesus and you're like, man, this is all new for me. And you're doing something new and, and you really don't feel like you know where you're going. 
And maybe you hit some, some bumps along the way and it's like your vision gets cloudy and you're like, I know that I love Jesus, but I don't really know what my next step is. Has anybody ever been there? Maybe, so maybe you're a new believer. Maybe you're an unbeliever. Maybe you haven't decided to follow Jesus yet. And you're like, man, Joe, I really don't know what my next step is. I, I, just, I just know I'm missing something. Maybe you're a, a mature believer and you've been following Jesus for a while and you've, maybe you even grew up in church and, and you feel like you've heard the stories and you, and you know the word, but you're having trouble connecting the dots to where you're at in life right now. And it's like you just dove into new circumstances and your goggles filled with water and everything's cloudy and you just don't know what to do. And if you're there, I would just say, hey, join the club. Because sometimes you're gonna face things in life that are new, that are different, that it's like, I've never been here before. And everything I've been through up until now hasn't prepared me for what I'm going through now. And I'm 41 years old and I'm still facing stuff like that all the time. And so if that's you, you're in great company. And that's why we're talking about this today. Because sometimes we need breakthrough vision. We need to be able to see clearly again. We need to be able to just bring things into clarity and know exactly where God is leading us. Man, how many of you enjoyed that sunshine yesterday? It was beautiful, but man, one thing I noticed is, you know, over the past day, my car got caked with, over the past few days, my car got caked with salt and my, my windshield gets this film on it, right? And so I had been washing it off with my wipers and all of a sudden, what happens? At the worst possible time, I'm out of wiper fluid and, and my windshield is caked and the sun is bright and it's shining off the, the snow and I can't see. And I'm coming back from Little Miami from a wrestling meet and um, lo and behold, we get up to a stop sign and there was a wreck. And it made me think, I wonder if they couldn't see because of the snow, because of the stuff on their windshield and, and maybe that's how this wreck happened. And you know, we would never drive around like that. We're, go we're gonna make sure we get our windshield clear. But sometimes we make the mistake of following Jesus not really knowing where we're going, and guess what? It doesn't really bother us. We make this mistake of just, oh, I'm coming to church. I'm, you know, maybe I, I sometimes read my Bible. I sometimes do this. I'm, I'm checking some things off the list, and hey, I'm doing what I'm supposed to do, right? But spiritually, we're driving with that cloudy windshield. And listen, if you can't see where God is going, you're probably gonna go somewhere else. If you can't see where God is going, you'll probably go somewhere else other than where he's going. And so we gotta figure out how do we get breakthrough vision. Let's define vision real quick. Vision is to see our current reality. And this is my definition, the Joe Dembo definition. So don't open up Webster's. Um, he might have a different one. This is, we gotta see current reality. We assess possible courses of action and we determine next steps that lead to a preferable future. So we look at where we're at, we say, well, what could our next steps be? We assess the options, and then we determine our next steps that lead to a preferable future. You see, vision isn't just seeing the end, you know? I, like, like one vision could be, I'm gonna spend eternity with Jesus, and that's an awesome vision, right? I'm gonna be in heaven, streets of gold, pearly gates, you know, no sickness, no pain, perfect. That's a great vision, and it's gonna happen. 
But if I want to end up there someday, you know, there's some next steps that I needed to take. And that's the clarity that vision brings. Breakthrough vision is that moment of realization that things can and should be different. And guess what? I just got a glimpse of how. That's breakthrough vision. Things can and they should be different in my life. And God has just given me, through the power of His Holy Spirit, a glimpse of how. Breakthrough vision kind of has this attitude that says, I'm not content where I am. I'm not content where my family is. I'm not content where my friends are. I'm tired of seeing people get picked off by the devil and getting their lives derailed uh, with a lack of purpose. And I'm tired of living a life that isn't dripping with purpose. And guess what? God's not willing either that any should perish, that any should live this life without purpose, that any should live, live this life without just a fire burning in their soul. And so that kind of discontent, that kind of um, just, you know, lack of, of content with where we're at in life is what can lead to breakthrough vision. And so as we unpack this today, I want to give you some tips to stay on track, because here's what I know. People usually get a quiver in their liver. They get a little excited. They get a little, you know, uh, pumped up. They, they maybe have an experience and, and then they just go hog wild in some direction, not really sure if that's the right direction. And so I want to give you some handles to stay on track as you pursue breakthrough vision in your life. And so how do we experience breakthrough vision? Number one, pull out your notes, they're on your seats, they're in the app, Mosaic Church app, um, and you could follow along and fill it in today. Number one, if you wanna experience breakthrough vision, we have to look through the lens of God's word. We've gotta look through the lens of God's word. We gotta put our Bible or scripture binoculars on. And when we put God's word over our eyes and we look at life through that lens, we see that limits are just an opportunity for creativity. Limits are just an opportunity for God's power to shine through. Because when we look at life without God's word, we, we just see impossibilities. We just see bad circumstances. We're just in the mully grubs all day. But when we look through the lens of God's word, uh, we see that God sees an opportunity for his glory. We see that all things are possible with him, amen? All things, not some things, all things. I love the picture that's illustrated in God's word of this in 2 Kings chapter six. Just to preface before we read the verse that's in your notes, Elisha is the prophet and the Arameans, they wanna attack Israel. And so the king of Aram is getting super frustrated because every time he goes to attack, it's like the Israelites already know what he's gonna do. And that's because Elisha, God's prophet, is tipping off the king of Israel at every single turn. And so Elisha's in tune with God. He's seeing life through God's lens. It didn't matter if the Israelites had less soldiers. It didn't matter if they were um, outnumbered. Why? Because they were in tune with what God was doing. And so Elisha and his servant, they find themselves um, in a certain town and um, the king of Aram had gotten super frustrated and asked somebody, how's this happening? And they told him, well, because Elisha's telling the Israelites our next steps. And so the king of Aram, he goes and surrounds the town where Elisha and his servant are. 
Elisha's servant gets super freaked out. And like Elisha were surrounded, it's all over. And so Elisha says to his servant, he says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. It's only when we look through the lens of God's word that we cannot be afraid. If you're full of fear, you don't know what's coming next. You're, the first step is to look at God's word because it is the source of courage in your life. And so he says, don't be afraid for there are more on our side than there are on theirs. Then Elisha prayed, O Lord, open his eyes and let him see. The Lord opened the young man's eyes and when he looked up, he saw that the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire. Wow. Now, when you pray and you look at God's word, I'm not promising that you're gonna look out your window and see um, a, a vast host of angels, but every single time you will get a new perspective. You will get a new perspective. And as you look at God's word, you will begin to see things through a different light. And just like God opened Elisha's servant's spiritual eyes, God wants to open our eyes to his possibilities, to the fact that he is working in the unseen realms, that he is working in, in, in the spirit, that he is wanting to do things in your life that you don't have the faith or power to do, but he's still working. You know that famous song that sometimes we sing, Waymaker? It says, you know, even when I don't see it, you're working. And when we look at God's word, we see that. Elisha had spiritual vision. Why? Because he was in tune with God. Listen, God's word, when we get deep into it, it keeps you on track and it expands your faith and vision. Sometimes when we, have, when we think about what's gonna happen in our life, we, we shoot too small. We like aim too, you know, we, we, we try to, we don't have big enough faith. We don't have big enough vision. Sometimes we shoot in the wrong direction. It's like God's over here and we're shooting over here. And here's what we know, we rarely outdream God. Rarely are our ways as big as God's ways or our thoughts as big as his. And so, but when we get into God's word, he starts to open up possibilities in our minds and our hearts first so that we can go where he's going. And so the first step is to get in his word, to begin to look at life through the lens of his word. I love what, Craig Rochelle says about limitations in life and how we see things. He says, if you believe you can't do something because you don't have enough, you'll always be right. If you believe you can't do something because you don't have enough, you'll always be right. And that's so the truth when you serve Jesus. If you believe you can't, you probably won't. But when you believe that he can, then he can take you where he's going. Number two, you want breakthrough vision in your life? Spend time with captivated people. Spend time with people that are on fire for Jesus, that love him, that are going somewhere, that are doing things that stretch you. Spend time with captivated people. Sometimes, many times in our lives, it's not that there isn't something to be excited about. Have you ever been there? It's just like kind of apathetic. Oh, nothing's really going on in my life. Nothing's really happening. I'm just kind of like coasting and, and life is just kind of meh, as the young people say. 
or at least they used to for a while. I don't know if they still say it. But many times, there's, it's not that there isn't something to be excited about. We just aren't excited about it. Have you ever seen that? It's like, man, so-and-so is excited. God's doing something in their life. Oh, so-and-so is excited. God's doing something in their life. But I just, I'm just not feeling it. And in those times, it could be that your next step is to get a little closer. Get a little closer to the action. Ask them out for coffee. Take them out to lunch and just say, hey, what makes you tick and why? What is God doing in your heart and your life? And sometimes you gotta, you got to mine it a little bit. you got to say, hey, what got you from, from that place where you weren't excited about life to this place where, you're, man, you're just pumped to be here? Spend time with captivated people. You see, it, see, it says in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 13, and 14, it says, you must warn each other every day. Everybody say every day. You must warn each other every day while it is still today so that none of you will be, underline this, deceived by sin and hardened against God. The stakes are high, church. For if we are faithful to the end, trusting God just as firmly as when we first believed, we will share in all that belongs to Christ. That is vision. And the way to keep the sword sharp, the way to keep the vision from leaking, the way to keep the spiritual fire hot is to encourage one another, to warn each other, to to let that iron sharpen iron, to spend time with captivated people. And here's what I know about the body of Christ in the church. At any given time, there's plenty of captivated people in this place. Usually the thing that we don't do is spend enough time to eat with each other. And so we're not rubbing off on each other so that my fire or your fire is helping, you know, keep the other one lit, right? It's so easy if we take, if, 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 if we're all like charcoal briquettes, let's just say, and let's say you take yours and you take it away from the pile, what's going to happen? It's going to cool off. It's going to cool off. And so, and, and that cooling could be likened to what it says in this verse, deceived by sin and hardened against God. But we got to bring it back towards the pile. We got to get around captivated people. Why? Because there's a very real threat in yours and my life that our hearts can be deceived by sin and hardened against God. And we do not want that to happen. So we got to spend time with captivated people. Number three, if you want breakthrough vision in your life, you got to spend extended times in prayer. You got to spend extended time in prayer. Uh, There's going to be a prayer guide that you can get on your way out today, and we're going to start 21 days of prayer uh, starting tomorrow. And so tomorrow morning will be the first one. Um, It's also uh, at the bottom of the front page on our our website. And so I'll I'll unpack that more at the end of service. But man, we're going to spend some extended time in prayer. But in God's word, where do we see that? We see it with Nehemiah in the Old Testament. Nehemiah has been taken, his, you know, the Israelite people have been taken from their home, and he's in captivity. He's not in preferable circumstances. You know, he, he's, he's in a pretty good position in the, in the government there, but it's not like he were, it's where he wants to be. And so he hears that things aren't going so well back in Israel. And so in Nehemiah 1, 3 through 4, it says, they said to me, Things are not going well for those who return to the province of Judah. They are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem has been torn down and the gates have been destroyed by fire. 
And then these are Nehemiah's words. When I heard this, I sat down and wept. In fact, for days I mourned and fasted and prayed to the God of heaven. When you want breakthrough vision, when God pricks your heart with a need or something that you see in this world that just isn't right, what's our first step? We're gonna spend some extended time in prayer. We're gonna spend some time in prayer. I love the example of Nehemiah. He got on his face before God. He said, God, what, how do you want me to be a part? What do you want me to do? He felt something and then he did something about it. He went right to the feet of, of God and cried out and said, what do you want me to do? Fast forward, God put this vision in his heart to go rebuild. He got permission from the king. He went back. The rest is history. They rebuilt those walls in 52 days. How cool is that? But it's all started with extended time and prayer. Back in uh, December of 2019, I still lived in Sandwich, Illinois, of all places. And, and God dropped some feelings in my heart that I had never felt before. I was a, a staff pastor at a great church. We had built a great team. God was doing some amazing things. We called it the miracle in the cornfield. Our church was literally in the middle of a cornfield, surrounded by corn. And, uh, you know, some people joked, it's like a church in the corn, kind of like that old bad movie, right? And so, um, and so we're, we're there. God's doing amazing things. We love it. We never wanted to leave. And all of a sudden, God dropped in my heart and started breaking my heart. And I'd find myself in the front row of church just bawling my eyes out that God wanted me to lead pastor. I had never desired that before in my life. And so what did I do? For the next three months, I spent extended time in prayer. First of all, I had, to, I had to figure out, God, is this the pizza I ate last night? Or am I having a nervous breakdown? Am I having a midlife crisis? Or is it really you? And after extended time in prayer, after talking to some really close mentors, and after talking to my pastor, we came to this conclusion that, man, God was really do, doing something in my heart and, and leading me in a new direction, even though, guess what? I really didn't want to. And that started the journey to landing in Milford, of all places, right? And so when God does something in your heart, though, you can't leave it there. You dig in. You spend extended time in prayer. You say, God, what are you doing? And he's going to make your path clear. He puts this holy discontent. Nehemiah saw the walls burning and the things falling apart. He put this holy discontent in Nehemiah's heart. God might do that for you. And it might be something big like a life change or a move or something like that. It might be something small. It might be that he puts a, a, something in your heart for teenagers that was never there before. And he wants you to dig in and, and be a mentor. It might be that, man, all of a sudden you have this inexplicable urge to hold babies. And, and you sign up to work in the nursery. Because that's amazing. It might be that it's like, man, I feel like God can use me to help other people. And so you, you're like, Joe, hey, I kind of think I might want to be an apprentice to lead a life group. You know, whatever. It could be that, you know, as a student, you see all your friends that are just living purposeless lives and chasing after vaping and all this stupid stuff. And they're, they're carrying uh, uh, chairs out of the school 
because they saw it on TikTok and, and, and all this crazy, stupid stuff. And you see all your friends and you're like, what is going on with kids, with my, my peers? And, and God puts it in your heart. Hey, maybe you should start a Bible study at your school. See, when God drops these little God ideas in your heart, the very first thing you do is you get on your face before God and you say, God, what are you doing? What do you want me to do? And spend some extended time in prayer. Number four, if you want to see breakthrough vision in your life, what do you do? You do what God is already blessing. You do what God is blessing. Why? Because sometimes you're just not sure. And when you're not sure and when you don't know and you don't yet have clarity, um, should you just sit down and wait and twiddle your thumbs and be a bump in the log? Absolutely not. Sometimes the timing is someday. God might put something in your heart, but the timing's not now, it's for then. And in those times, what do you do? You do what God is blessing. What does it say in 1 Corinthians 15, 58? It says, so my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord. And so it doesn't say just work enthusiastically for the Lord when you feel like it. It doesn't say just work enthusiastically for the Lord when you know exactly what you should be doing. And, and when the picture is clear and when you feel like you're capable and equipped and all that kind of stuff. No, it says always work enthusiastically for the Lord. Why? For you know that nothing, underline that, nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. Those are big words. What does that tell me? I can be full of purpose every single day, whether I feel like it or not. Love that. Love that. That tells me, man, I need to bloom where I'm planted. I need to be fully engaged as a part of the body in Christ. Guess what? Being fully engaged as a part of the body of Christ will never go out of style and will never be out of God's will. Ever. You will never go wrong by saying, I'm going to attach myself to a body, a local body of believers, uh, the church, and serve and be a part and say, God, how can I be a blessing? How can I be a part of what you're already blessing for your glory? So we got to do what God is blessing. And, and not just here at church, but what does the Bible say that God blesses? Man, you could make a huge list. This could be your devotions for the week. Just to go through scripture and figure out, man, what does God bless? And here's just a few things. God blesses the heart of a servant. In Matthew chapter five, we see the, the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit, those that know they need God. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who are humble. Blessed are those that hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the merciful, the pure in heart. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Blessed are you when others persecute you. Blessed, are, um, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. You can do what God blesses. Love that. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial in James 1. Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on, who are, just die to their selfish motives and just, just say, God, use me. Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb in Revelation 14. Basically, blessed are those who give their lives for the cause of Christ and say, God, whatever you want to do with me, I'm available. There's never a reason for a follower of Christ to be bored or apathetic. Church, let's get to work.
God's blessings are never in short supply. It's just a choice on our part. Do we want to be a part of what God is already blessing? Number five, as we close today, last point. If I want breakthrough vision in my life, I've got to be teachable. I've got to be teachable. And every time I talk about being teachable and just having a a soft, teachable spirit and letting myself be led, I feel like I have to talk about um, how as a part of the body of Christ, as a Christian, I am a part of a collective vision and strategy. You see, we we are a part of a singular, like small C church. We're a part of a local body of believers here at Mosaic. But you know what else we're a part of? We're a part of the Big C Church, the worldwide family of people who call themselves Christ followers. And isn't that amazing? We're a part of something huge. We're not just a part of what God does under this roof and and this beautiful building that he's given us as a tool for his glory. No, we're a part of the body of Christ. And guess what? There are people, a part of the body of Christ, that don't go to Mosaic, but they live in Milford. Isn't that cool? You ever think about that? We're not the only church on the block, literally. (laughs) Like, there's others. And guess what? Any church that lifts up the name of Jesus and proclaims God's word as scripture and says, we're going to be committed to both, man, we need to be praying and supporting them. And so... That kind of mindset is so important when we say, God, I want to be teachable. Why? Because God spoke through his word. God is still speaking. And he speaks to multiple people. He speaks to pastors. He speaks to lay ministers. He speaks to you. He speaks to me. And so what does that mean? I need to be really humble. That's how we have to translate that. So much of the time people come to me and God and say, God told me to do this. And that, and, and to which I usually say, man, that is so cool. Now, how does that mesh with what God is telling the rest of the body of Christ? Because there's no solo people in the body of Christ. There's no lone rangers, no such thing. We're a part of a body. God spoke through his word. God is still, you know, revealing himself through his word, through scripture to you and to me. But guess what? He won't contradict himself. So God doesn't tell you something that um, is going to contradict his word. It just never happens. And so as we go on the journey to say, God, how are you speaking to me? Then we've got to line it up with two things. Number one, his word. We gotta line it up with his word. And then, what do we do? We say, God, what are you doing in my local body? In my church? How do you want me to serve in my local church and be teachable as, as far as how this is fleshing out here in our local body? And so this is why being teachable and being humble is so important. You know, we get so hung up sometimes on our personal vision. I love that people have vision boards and and they do planning retreats and and all this kind of stuff. It's super cool. I love the thought of writing down our goals. It's super biblical. Um, And so I, I love that. But God never made us to do life on our own. And so as we write out the vision that God has given us, as we figure out how do we move forward with this, we got to ask ourselves the question, how does this interact and mesh and support and edify the body of Christ? Does that make sense? 
The biggest reason to keep a teachable spirit is because we are a part of a body, Christ's body, the church. If I don't have a teachable spirit, guess what? It won't matter if God makes himself clear in my life. It won't matter. Look at King Saul in the Old Testament. What happened to him? God chose him. God gave him a job. He was the tallest. He was the most handsome. He had all the outward characteristics. But he wasn't teachable. God made him king over Israel. Gave him assignments. Gave him jobs. And guess what? King Saul thought he knew better. And so in 1 Samuel 15, 23, what did God say through the prophet to Saul? It says, Rebellion is as sinful as witchcraft and stubbornness as bad as worshiping idols. So because you have rejected the command of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. Man, I don't know about you, but I never want to, um, to lose God's leading in my life because I'm so darn stubborn. Because I can't be taught. Because I might have a, a seed of rebellion in my heart. And then in 2 Timothy 2, 1 through 2, what does it say? And this is Paul, the apostle, talking to Timothy, his disciple. And he says, Timothy, my dear son, be strong through the grace that, gives, the grace that God gives you in Christ Jesus. You have heard me teach these things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. We see a lot of things in the, that verse. Paul taught Timothy. Paul tells Timothy to teach others. Paul tells Timothy that those people that he teaches are then going to teach others. And so if this kind of training and this kind of, of passing on of wisdom and knowledge and, 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 and God's heart is going to happen in the body of Christ... What is absolutely necessary? A teachable spirit. God entrusted his mission to people who teach other people who teach other people. And so I just want to encourage you, don't let your individuality get in the way of what God wants to do through the body. Does that make sense? Because I can't survive without you and you can't survive without me. That's what the scripture says. We can't survive without each other. We need each other. Amen. So, God, give us new vision. Give us new vision. And as we cry out to you, God, for new vision, God, we want to look through the lens of your word. We want to spend time with captivated people. How can you do that? Get in a life group. Get in a life group. Hey, invite somebody out to lunch after church. Kind of dig in their heart a little bit. Hey, what, what's God doing in your heart? Because I, I, need to, I need to get around some captivated people. What about this? Spend some extended time in prayer. Is that your next step today? God, we want to do what you're blessing. And then we want to be teachable. If you're here today, and, and maybe God has shown you, and your breakthrough vision step today is to give your heart and your life to Christ. Maybe you've been coming for a while. Maybe you're watching online. Uh, maybe you came with a friend today and you're like, whoa. And what God has been speaking to you this whole service is that you have purpose, that God loves you, and that there's more. 
And I just wanna encourage you that that more that you're desiring is a relationship with Jesus. God put a God-shaped hole in each and every one of us that can only be filled by him. It's that void. And you will never feel complete or full of purpose until you have a relationship with Jesus. It just can't happen. And so if that's you today and you need to give your heart and your life to Christ and you want to make Jesus number one in your life, if everybody could bow your heads and close your eyes, if that's you, uh, just boldly raise your hand today and say, that's me. I need to give my heart and my life to Christ. Amen. Amen. If you're online, sitting in your living room today, I just want to encourage you, you can, you can raise your hand right in your living room. And there's nothing special about the raising of your hand. But it's just a physical sign. Say, God, I'm surrendering to you. Amen. You can put your hands down right in your seat, right where you're at. I just want to encourage you to say a prayer, inviting Christ to be Lord of your life. It can sound something like this. You could say, Jesus, here I am. I believe in you. I believe that you died on the cross for me, that you rose again on the third day, and you did all that to save me from my sin and so that I can have a relationship with you. And so God, I turn around and I give my life to you. You gave everything for me, so I give everything to you. Help me to follow your word. Help me to do what you say. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us online at Mosaic Church. We hope today's message was life-changing and useful. For more info, visit mosaiccincinnati.com.